The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not, cling to, me. do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Father, as we pray and as we read uh, your text, your holy text, Lord, may our hearts uh, be opened, may our ears be ready to listen and understand, and may your Holy Spirit give us a discernment and wisdom to hear. Lord, may you give us a posture of humility to know that all of this exists because of you. All of this terminate to you. Everything that we have, everything that we are, is because of you and your gospel, Lord, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the cornerstone of our faith. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice you have made. And I pray, as a church, that we are ready to listen. May we be encouraged and loved and embraced by your grace and truth. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We get to celebrate what Jesus has done. And um, if you're new to Grace City this morning, my name is Randall. I'm the pastor here. And um, I just want to thank you for joining us. Um, you know, for our church, we, one of the things that we say is the vision is to be a church for a city that seeks new life in Jesus. And um, we planted about seven years ago. And to see uh, opportunities like yesterday with uh, the Burmese refugees and being able to serve our city, it was a beautiful time to be together. And um, I was able to take uh, my three kids. And so I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. And uh, I got to take them out there uh, to serve along, uh, the alongside the volunteers there. And it was, it was so cool because afterwards they just turned to me and they said, Dad, that, that was... That was so great, um, just to be able to help other people. Um, and so, you know, for our church to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus, I, I saw that uh, yesterday. And so I just want to say thank you to the volunteers and different people who came out yesterday because that's what the church is. And so on this Resurrection Sunday, our text today is from John 20. Uh, we're looking at verses 10 through 18. And the message uh, that we're going to be talking about today is uh, understanding 
the resurrection. Understanding the resurrection. You know, for some of us, uh, we, we might be new to church and to hearing uh, about Jesus and really what the power of the resurrection means. And I just want to say that I was one of those people too. I didn't grow up in the church, and so I just want to welcome you this morning and just say that we're glad that you're here. You know, it wasn't until uh, I was 16 years old that God grabbed a hold of my heart and started to help me to understand his word. And so I'm excited this morning to go through this and, and really look at what it means to understand the resurrection. Uh, verse 9, uh, before verses 10 through 18, here's what it says in John 20. It says, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Who didn't understand? Well, it was his disciples. It was those who had followed him for three years. It was those who were there with him on that Good Friday that saw him crucified. That as they saw this empty tomb, they did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. See, where did their faith come from? As they followed Jesus, it's that God's word was all unfolding and coming together right in front of them. But they didn't understand it. See, it's two words that are used here when it says did not understand. It's basically translated, they knew not. And the word here for understand is edo. And in this Greek word, it, it, it means that there's a force and meaning of something that happened. There's a force and meaning behind what they're seeing. And that force and that meaning had not impacted them quite yet. There's a biographer they wrote about this pastor. His name is R.W. Dale. And he, in the biography, he documented a time when this pastor was writing his Easter sermon. And as he's writing this Easter sermon, he understood the resurrection for the first time. You say he's a pastor. But, but for, this, for this individual, he, he understood it for the first time. And here's what the biographer writes about R.W. Dale. He says, the thought of the risen Lord broke in upon, as, uh, upon him as it had never done before. Christ is alive, he said to himself. Alive. And then pause. Alive. Can that really be true? He got up and walked around repeating, Christ is living, Christ is living. It was to him a new discovery. He thought all along that he had believed it, but not until that moment did he feel sure about it. He said, the, my people, the people that I shepherd shall know it. I will preach about it again and again until they believe it as I do now. See, friends, this is the gospel. See, we never get past this message that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead, but why did he die for our sins? There was a purpose. There was a reason behind it. And for many of us, we, we might have grown up in church or we might have heard this message before, but my prayer as I was preparing this week was that it would hit us afresh. That the gospel message and the goodness of Jesus would hit us afresh this morning as it did for R.W. Dale that day. 
See, what this does is it reminds us that there's uh, really two parts when we start to think about the resurrection, that there's, there's this part where there's a historical aspect to the resurrection. We ask, is, is Jesus' resurrection true? And, and for us, we, we might believe with their minds, right? There's, there's a, a part of us where we break this down. But there's also a second part to it, but not just being historical, but is it the heart that's being impacted. Because if it's true, what does it mean for us? What, is it, what does it mean for me? What, is it, what does it mean for you? See, I don't have time to go through all the reasoning behind why the resurrection is historically true, and I believe that it is true. And I can point you to some helpful resources after the service is done. If you're very interested in this, I would love to help you. But I want us to think on this. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christianity, the message of Christianity, either rises or falls on Jesus' historical resurrection. It either rises or falls on Jesus' historical resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, what I'm doing right now, is in vain, and your faith is in vain. But verse 19 if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, the Apostle Paul is saying that everything hinges on this resurrection happening. Jesus' resurrection is crucial. Professor of modern uh, history at Ox Oxford, um, Thomas Arnold, once said, no one fact in the history of mankind is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ died and rose from the dead. Again, another Oxford and, and Cambridge professor and famed author, uh, C.S. Lewis, once said, I have been reading poems, romances, vision literature, legends, myths all my life. I know what they are like. I know that not one of them is like this. He's talking about... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of these gospel texts, there are only two possible views. Either this is reportage, right? He's reporting what's happening uh, pretty close up to the facts or else some unknown writer in the second century without uh, known predecessors or successors suddenly anticipated the whole technique of modern, novelistic, realistic narrative. The reader who doesn't see this has simply not learned to read. He's not talking about just reading. He's talking about reading and understanding how important this is. Right there is something that happened 2,000 years ago. Now, if you're skeptical this morning, I just want to say welcome. Thank you that you're here. And I know that these quotes won't change your mind immediately. But my hope is that it's a start. And I invite you this Easter Sunday, today, right now, to thoughtfully examine the resurrection of Jesus. And I just want you to know that the Grace City is a safe place to do that. It's a safe place to do that. Now let's spend the rest of this time on the second question. If Jesus rose from the dead, then what does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? Well, about this text in John 20, Pastor Timothy Keller says this. He says, the Gospel of Matthew uses Mary to get across the fact that the Easter event really happened that the resurrection really, truly occurred. But I think John, 
which we're looking at today, takes this same woman, Mary, and fills out the details and shows us how when you meet the risen Christ, you get resurrected. The Christian gospel is that when you meet the raised Christ, he begins to raise you. When you meet the risen Christ, he begins to pump his his own spiritual power and spiritual life into you. And it begins to replace the deadness. John looks at Mary. The Easter event is not just a historical event, but it's also a pattern of personal spiritual resurrection when we meet Christ. See, friends, that's what it is. That's what it is. And so today our text is from John 20, 10 through 18. We're gonna break this down just to give some background here. This is uh, the book of John. And so it's the, the fourth gospel. It's, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all breaking down the, 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 the biographies of, of Jesus and his life. And John in particular is Jesus' closest friend and disciple. The book chronicles Jesus' life, death, uh, by the, the Roman crucifixion. Um, at this point in the text, Jesus has died this gruesome death, being betrayed, deserted, and left alone on the cross. After his death, his body was taken the tomb, uh, to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and was wrapped in linen with about 100 pounds of spices. And so this was the tradition of the day. Jesus laid in this tomb until his resurrection sometime before dawn on Sunday morning. Shortly after his resurrection, at least four women came to his tomb. One of them being Mary Magdalene, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Salome, and Joanna. There they discover that the stone is moved and, and they scatter to inform the disciples. And that's where we pick up in John 20. And so our question again is, what does Jesus' resurrection mean for me? So we're going to focus in on these verses 10 through 18. Now to understand the resurrection, we must see the invitation to Three things. Number one, come near. Number two, hold tightly. Number three, leave changed. Come near, hold tightly, leave changed. Now look, let's look at the first uh, part, the, the come near. We're actually going to look at verses 10 through 14. Here's what it says. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now about Mary, just to give a little synopsis of her life. Mary was an outcast. Mary was someone who, at one point, Jesus had, um, in Luke 8, it says a little bit about her, had casted out seven demons. She was someone who was on the, uh, the outs as far as her profession. She was a prostitute. And so this was the, literally the least likely person that Jesus has invited in and said, come and, and follow me. And so again, if, if you feel like you don't belong here or like you, you're kind of on the outs or, or maybe you, you're excluded from being that person that, that would come to church, I just want you to know that there's people that have been vi- invited in that the, the society would have said, no. 
Jesus invited her in. Commentator Kent Hughes really gives us a helpful glimpse into Mary's situation that's happening in this particular text and really what she's going through. Here's what he says. He says, Mary was standing outside the tomb alone, uninformed, and weeping. More accurately, she was sobbing and wailing because the word used in verse 11 is the same used to describe the mourners at Lazarus' grave. This was the traditional Eastern death wail. And it came from the depths of her broken heart. Jesus had cast seven devils from Mary. Uh, She had sinned much. She had uh, forgiven much. And she loved much. Her heart was so indescribable, indescribable anguish. On top of the horror of his death came this last indignity. uh, They had taken his body and were undoubtedly going to make further sport of him. So I want you to to put yourself into Mary Magdalene's shoes here. She's, She's just seen Jesus, who she's followed, who has changed her life, now come to the tomb and, and, and just to pay respects to him, to come near just one more time. And now she sees that the, the, the stone has been ruined. She doesn't understand what's happening here. And she th- thinks in her mind possibly one more time that, that maybe the Roman soldiers had, had just taken Jesus' body and they're, they're just mocking him again. Do you see the brokenheartedness of what's happening here for this woman? She's in anguish. She's in despair. But look what happens next. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Right, what we find in, in verse 10 is that the disciples that she had told about this stone being removed had, had long gone. They, they, they're, they're in their homes now. But, but, but for her, she, she just wants to look in one more time. She wants to come near to this place where Jesus once laid. And so she looks in. See, so there's a couple things that we can learn here from Mary. The first one is that as she came near, she came near even in her pain. Even in her pain. See, for some of us, what, what do we, what's our natural response when we're in pain? We want to run. We want to get out of there. There's pl- probably many reasons why the disciples said, you know, I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm just going to go back to my home. I'm going to kind of figure out life from here. And for some of us, we come in pain. We come here today in pain and we think to ourselves, man, I, it's really hard for me to walk into a church this morning. But I just want to encourage you because as we look at Mary, who is in pain, in despair, that secondly, as she's in her pain, she stayed long enough to experience God's miracle. She stayed long enough to experience God's miracle. And here's the thing. She wasn't prepared for what was going to happen next. Here's Jesus' disciples weren't waiting outside of the tomb, counting down. Okay, three, two, one. Stone rolls away. Jesus is alive. Yay. Didn't happen. They are crushed. And they're coming to this tomb just saying, what's next? But she's unprepared for what's happening next because she saw 
two angels in white sitting uh, where the body of Jesus lay, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, in, this, in the culture, this is an honoring. When, when they say woman, like, so Jesus is going to say the same thing, woman. But this is an honoring way to, 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 uh, to talk with, with, with Mary here. And they ask her this question, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? See, sometimes as we're coming near, as we're, we're, we're in pain, some, sometimes the thing that we need is for somebody to come in and just say, why? What's going on beneath the surface? What's happening in your life? Why are you experiencing this? And so these angels come and they say, why? And she comes up with this question. This is the, the, the first thing she can think of. She says, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. The why brings what's happening on the inside what she's experiencing on the inside. Early church father, John Chrysostom, suggests that at this point, one of the angels had to have motioned to her to turn around. Because here's what happens next. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Right, so we see that she's come near to this tomb. We see that she's stayed. We see that she's being asked questions and, and, and really starting to, to work through some of the questions that she has in her heart. Right, where, are they, where did they take Jesus? But now she realizes that Jesus is behind her. She didn't know it yet, but she would. Because the second point is hold tightly. Now, this is verses 15 through 17. Uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Friends, what's happening here? What's going on? Well, first, she doesn't know who Jesus is. And there could be many reasons for this. It could be like in Luke 24, as, as these disciples are going down the road and Jesus is talking with them, and then all of a sudden the, the veil is taken away and they see that it's Jesus that's walking with them and talking with them. There could be many reasons. We see that she was weeping. And maybe she just couldn't recognize as, through the tears and through the redness of eyes that, who, who it was that was standing there. She was supposing that it was the gardener. Again, there's, there's probably many reasons, but she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. See, this exposed who she was really seeking, who she really cared about. It was Jesus. And so she doesn't know who he is. But here's the other aspect that we see in this text. Jesus knows who she is. 
She didn't know it was him. Right? In the chaos and all the things that were going on in her life, she couldn't really see clearly enough who it was that was standing in front of her. But you knew, know who knew who she was? Jesus did. Because he said to her, Mary. And, and from this, just saying her name, it was like the snap of the fingers, the veil is taken away. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She knew it was. Again, commentator Ken Hughes says this. He says, it's very significant that here, as in the other three gospels, Christ first appears to the woman Mary Magdalene. Not an apostle, not to the great in society or in the church, but to a particular woman. Christ appeared first to one who was in the culture of the time was oppressed, a woman who was known, who has known great sin. What a great comfort it should be to us that Christ comes first to the poor in spirit. To the poor in spirit. To the lowly in heart. Who is it that Christ comes to? Who is it that Christ meets like this? You see, as she stayed by the tomb long enough, she gets to experience this. It wasn't the disciples who first experienced this. It was her. Would have been lowest of society. Jesus came to her. And what does she do? She, she holds tightly to him. Do you see it? Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Can you imagine this moment as she sees her, her friend, her Lord, her Savior coming and he's not this beaten up Jesus like she saw on Friday, but he's a resurrected, glorified Jesus. She's never seen him before. She couldn't, have, she couldn't recognize him. And she clings to him tightly. And Jesus says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. What, why does she cling so tight? Because she's, she's lost him. She lost him on Friday. And she doesn't want to lose him again. And here's the theological part. But what is Jesus saying as he says, I have not yet ascended to the Father? He's saying, he's saying you know me in this way. You know me next to you. That's how you know me. You know my presence like this, but you're going to experience me in a new way because I'm going to the Father. And here's the thing. Like you lost me on Friday, you'll never lose me again. I'll be in your life every day. I'll always be with you. See, in Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says this to his disciples, to his followers. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, what she knew, her mind was just being blown in this moment because she'd never experienced this before. Do you see how much we need this? Do you see how much your heart needs this? There's a movie that came out a few years ago. It's called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And it's based off of the Harry Potter series. There's a lot of different iterations. And in there, this, there's um, a character named Jacob. 
And Jacob is this man um, with a dream. His dream is to start a bakery, uh, but gets pulled into this uh, magical world unexpectedly. And, and, and in this world, he meets the love of his life. And at the end, um, you know, he's, he's told, um, you know, don't, don't talk about what you've experienced in this place. You can't tell anybody. Um, and, and he stands at the end. And, and don't tell me you're going to go watch this on Netflix tonight. And you're like, oh, you ruined the ending for me. You know, no, no, you did not have that on the list of like things you're going to watch tonight. So I'm just going to tell you what happens at the end of this. But tell me you ruin, I've ruined this for you, okay? What happens is he's standing in this magical rain that erases his memory of everything that happens in, in this uh, person that he had fallen in love with, Queenie. And he's alone. He's just standing in the rain. And he's, he's just like all of it's coming on him. He's just looking up. And, and all of the memories that he has are just being taken away. But this woman, Queenie, comes up and she embraces him one more time. She embraces him. And he opens his eyes. And he's just standing there like this. But he opens his eyes and there's no one there. There's no one there. And friends, I want to tell you because of the garden, because of sin, because of sin entering this world, there was a separation that happened between us and God. There, there was a, 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 a deadness that happened in our hearts, in our lives, where we, we have this memory trace, if you will, of, of what life was supposed to be. That there was arms that were wrapped around us that were there but aren't there anymore. See, this is powerful because in some way, there's a missing relationship that, that we all have. Blaise Pascal said it like this. He says, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but there, that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there to the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help since his infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. See, friends, what, what is it when we're standing there feeling like there's a relationship that's broken that we, we had but, we need, but has been separated that we were meant for and we were made for? That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. And from this, verse uh, 17 through 18, leave changed. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. See, when... when Mary experiences the resurrected Jesus. She's not the same person anymore. And what my encouragement to you is this, as we understand the resurrection, 
as we understand the power of the resurrection, as we understand that it is not in deadness of sin that we live any longer, but there's a hope because Jesus came and he rose from the dead and he defeated sin and death on the cross. That when that happens in our lives, the only thing that can happen is that we leave changed. How is Mary changed? Well, first... She's lifted up by Jesus and given a purpose. This woman who, you know what it talks about? She goes and she tells the disciples and says the other disciples outran her. And so it's almost like she's the last one to get there. And she's just kind of coming up and, and these other apostles, they're, they're walking, just probably scratching their head. What's going on? They go back home. But she's just kind of there like, okay, I'm just this, person that's here I, I've made this announcement but but Jesus says no 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 it's it's I want you to go to my brothers you know those guys who left a little bit earlier I want you to go to them and say to them what you've seen here you're the one to go announce the resurrection you're the one to announce they know my body wasn't stolen but I'm alive because here's what happens next. She gets to say, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. I got to see him. See, um, what happens when you see an old friend? Maybe some of you hadn't seen in a long time. Saw one recently. What happens is it's like that. Was that you? You know, like, I think that's you. I don't know if that's, you know, that type of thing that happens. What Mary got to have was like, I, I that's you. <laughs> and she got to tell them, I've seen him. I got to see him. See, but Mary didn't just see an old friend. She saw an old friend who was brutally killed. And he's not a beat up and bloody Jesus anymore. He's in a resurrected state. And this changed her. This changed her. And friends, this changes us. Friends, when you don't get stuck on the bloody sacrifice of Friday and you move towards Sunday and you start to see that there's a resurrected Jesus on the other side, it starts to change you. See, because some of us, we just feel hopeless and we come to the foot of the cross and we just feel like it's over. It's over. Some of us are stuck today feeling like life's over, everything's done. And it's, friends, you're, you're, you're in the wrong place. Come over to the tomb. Come look inside. Come near and see what happened. Look at the linens. Look at everything that's laying there. And turn around and see that there's a resurrected Jesus. Have you encountered the living Jesus? This will change you. Just some quick takeaways. You know, has the joy of the resurrection hit your heart? Here's the first question. Number one, are you willing to stay? I know you're here today, but are you willing to stay? 
It's not just a one-time event a year. Friends, I want to tell you, we preach the cross every week. We preach the gospel every week. And we will point you to Jesus every week. And as you continually grow in your understanding of who he is and you, you start to see more and more of what he's done for you, the question is, are you, just, are you willing to stay long enough to experience the miracle that can happen in your heart where he takes you from death to life? Because it's, it's him who does it. Jesus does that. So are you willing to stay? Number two, are you willing to ask questions? You see what happens for Mary? She starts to ask some questions. Like, even if they didn't make sense because she's so distraught. But are you just willing to ask some questions? Because it's okay to ask questions. And secondly, are you willing to open up and listen? Open up and start to see that, you know, wow, could this be true? Could he have risen from the dead? I've looked at the facts. I've done some research. I've studied. Okay, I want to know more about this because I believe that God will change your heart. See, friends, here's the gospel today. It's when, it's when we understand that, that f- what happened on Friday is, is the culmination of the ugliness of sin, that we took the one pure, perfect life and brutally destroyed it. Right? Jesus beaten beyond recognition. As I was watching The Passion of the Christ last night, my wife came in. It was the first time she'd seen it. She says, why is it so brutal? Why is it so bloody? And friends, it was on that cross that we see the ugliness of sin. Jesus carried it upon his shoulders. Friends, sin is dark and ugly. And it tried to erase Jesus' name. It tried to erase him from the earth. Like we looked at in, in Isaiah 53, it tried to erase him and basically say, we're done with you. We're finished with Jesus. We don't have to deal with him anymore. We tried to tuck him away in a tomb. But three days later, a resurrected Jesus comes out of the tomb and says Mary's name. You know how important that is? When Jesus says your name. What did the, the man hanging on the cross in the book of Luke, the thief next to Jesus say? He said, would you just remember me? Would you just remember me? The one, the, the son of God is basically trying to be erased from the earth as we put him on a cross. And this condemned man says, I, I, I deserve this. I deserve it. And Jesus looks over at him and he says, today you'll join me in paradise. Jesus says, I'll remember your name. We don't know his name. Doesn't matter. Because the only one that matters is that Jesus knows his name. And today, I just want you to know that when you come to him, 
when you see what he's done and you fall at his feet and you have your questions, you have those moments you're struggling and all of these things, the, the darkness that can fill your mind and your heart and you say, Lord, I, I can't do this anymore. And you see that he says your name and you, you lay at his feet and you say, teacher, Lord, master, savior, I need you. It's in that place that you will understand the resurrection. It's in that posture you'll understand what he's done for you, what he's done for me. Friends, and that's the message of the gospel, that he took our sin on himself, what we deserved, and said, I'll give you grace. I'll give you what you don't deserve. As he looked at that criminal in the eye, he says, today you'll, you'll join me in paradise. He says that same thing to you and me. So let's look at Christ today and what he's done. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the grace that you've offered us. We thank you for the goodness of this gospel message that you've given us. And we thank you that you've given us this historical record of Mary Magdalene, that she was impacted so greatly by what you did for her. And so, Lord, I pray that if we are struggling and confused and feel like we don't have purpose or meaning or don't know who you are, that, Lord, you, you through your power and through your strength, speak to us today, to our hearts, through this good message of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.